0: This is the Universal Wrestling Podcast. Inside the ring. Outside the ring. It's all here. We're talking about the greatest sport of all, professional wrestling. Come on. And now, here's Nick and Keith.
1: Welcome back to the Universal Wrestling Podcast. My name is Nick. His name is Keith. Keith, we got the biggest free agent of 2023, Mr. Nick Aldis. Nick, how are you, sir?
2: Well, I'm, I'm good, gentlemen. And I appreciate that. Um, I, you know, I think that's uh, maybe a little flattering, but I appreciate, uh, I appreciate yeah. the, the sentiment. Um, yeah, ab-
1: absolutely. And I feel like this is a, a huge moment in your career. So Nick, we got to know what is your new year's resolution?
2: Uh, I don't do new year's resolutions. I don't, I don't, uh, I, I don't tend to try to sort of, um, you know, I, I, I try to, live my life um you know in a way that that changes happen instantly rather than i I don't try to put things into sort of the framework of of a year or a a, you know a time or anything like that um you know having said that obviously uh, a new year is always a chance to sort of reflect on things but i just find that um i've always been somewhat you know i mean in my whole life i've sort of bucked convention a little bit you know i mean that's why i ended up in the wrestling business um and it's just i feel like it's one of those things where uh in my experience anyway putting doing things like new year's resolution stuff ends up for me ends up causing more distraction than anything else because i feel like you you know then i start going back and second guessing or have i done enough this last year and everything like that and and you know without getting too, um, you know, sort of, uh, hippie about all this, you know, it's all just a construct, right? Like it's like, yes. you know, what you do is, is, yeah. is, you know, you can choose to do it whenever you feel like it It shouldn't sort of live in the constraints of, you know, well, this year I'm going to do this. It's, it's more like, um, obviously for me, the significance of the year rolling, rolling over is the fact that yes, obviously I, I became a free agent, you know, which I, um, which I'm I'm pleased about and and uh, excited about, but you know, truthfully, I feel like everyone else is making a bigger deal of that than I am. Um, yeah. Because for me, it was, you know, it wasn't necessarily a case of, oh, I can't wait to go somewhere else. Um, for me, it was just more a case of uh, it, my time here is done. Um, you know, it probably should have been done a year ago. <laughs> you know but i uh but i you know i i decided to 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 give it one more year and 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 this time around i went no it's it's definitely time for me to to move on and, and um explore new opportunities and you know just just it things in this business it's like anything it, it, you 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 reach the point where you know um you know in your gut that um you've done everything you can do uh, and for me that's a big that's a big thing i mean i i reached the same conclusion at Tna I, I I will say that uh I take pride in the fact that the majority of my career has been spent under contract uh to two different promotions uh and I've never been fired I've never been you know released yeah right it's yeah. It, I've, I've always uh, my contract has expired and I've left of my own accord um you know uh, and so I guess I take some solace in that fact. But I think, but, you know, I reached the same thing with TNA. It was kind of like I'd been the world champion. I'd I'd worked my way up through the card. I'd I'd worked every position on the card. I'd, I'd, uh, you know, I'd worked with some of the biggest names in the business. I, 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 you know, I I beat Sting in the middle of my finish, you know, and I saw Sting uh, a few weeks ago at a a show in uh, New Jersey, you know, and it was so good to reconnect with him. And he was so gracious and so kind to me, you know, like he, just like he was, you know all those years ago when when uh, he put me over in in san diego you know and he gave me a big hug and was like man you look great and like you know so good to see you and everything like that and um so you know i i but i reached the same point there it's I, I was very i'm very proud of what i did in that company and i'm very proud of what i did in the nwa but i also you know for me i'm just that sort of person where um once i feel like i've done everything i can do um you know for me i, I need a new challenge you know, and I need to move on and uh, see what else is out there. Some of that is wrestling. Some of that is not wrestling, right? Like that's, I think that's the part that people get so, have gotten so wrapped up in with me is they assume that my whole motivation is to, is to, is to go wrestle somewhere else. Um, and obviously, yes, I, w- I want to wrestle fresh opponents. Like I desperately want to wrestle, you know, new, new people, Um, you know, guys that challenge me and bring out the the best of me and guys who are better than me. But, um, but it's, it's not just wrestling that I, you know, it's, it's also, uh, being free to explore opportunities as an owner, as a producer, as a, you know, like the stuff I'm doing in Australia and things like that, you know, it's just difficult to do those things. It's not always easy to do those things when you're under contract. Yeah. Um, you know so it's like having the freedom to go you know i'm gonna go i'm gonna take this meeting because this guy wants to meet with me i'm gonna discuss this opportunity in this country and things like that without the fear of oh well, is this gonna piss off you know my current boss my current employer is this gonna or is this gonna cause tension and awkwardness and weirdness you know are they gonna think that i should have brought this to them and you know and that kind of thing and it's like no you know mickey and i've had these conversations where i have said you know um if these opportunities present themselves now like we should go after them because the wrestling business needs you know it it, it it thrives on having fresh blood but i think that applies to behind the scenes just as much as it does to in front of the camera or in the ring like i think that maybe one of the hindrances of wrestling has been the fact that while we've had all this turnover of talent, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the, you know, there hasn't necessarily been as much fresh blood in, you know, creative capacities or decision-making capacities in business. And that's not a knock on anyone who's doing it because obviously at the end of the day, it's a, it's a hard thing to do. Um, and it's not like, and a lot of the time it's just the way it goes because there aren't, because most guys who want to get into the business, they want to perform. They want to be a talent. Um, I get much I get as much satisfaction out of both sides, which I guess you know is not necessarily the case for everyone, but I certainly do uh, and I got that I had um i you know I was involved in a lot of things with the NWA behind the scenes that I can sort of point to and say i'm you know I'm proud of what I accomplished yeah. here on the uh, you know on the administrative side. Um, and you know if, I guess for me it's just that it's that sort of um, i've sort of reached that point of maybe I want to explore a bit more of that as well yeah, um, yeah. The, the, you know and crucially it just it just um I just reached a point where I went you know no matter what happens i I, I, I think it's it's time for me to to not be under contract to anyone for a minute and just yeah. and just to sort of decide what it is I want to do without any constraint because my, my thing is And I've, I've always said this, you know, when I sign on the line with someone like I'm all in with, with them, right? You get all my, you know, you get all my energy and commitment and enthusiasm, you know, until such a time as I'm not under contract anymore. Yeah. Like, um, and I, I think that that's the responsibility that you have as a talent. If you sign somewhere, you know, commit to it hundred percent don't sign and then you know and then phone it in because you're you know because you you regret doing it like you know commit 100 percent to what you're doing once you've signed and i and i would would do that if i were to sign anywhere else uh but i also i'm enjoying the idea of having some freedom to explore some stuff in a different capacity
1: yeah. I mean, I love it. It seems like there's no specific place as we speak right now. It's more of an opportunity, whatever presents itself, you will sit down and think about it. And Hey, you know, if we want to do that, that's fine. But right now I don't want to be under any contract.
2: Yeah, I guess that's a, I guess that's a, a fair way to put it. Um, I, you know, I'm happy to be a free agent. Um, and but like I said, it's m- more about, I, I, like I have, uh, I've, um, I've got lots of exciting stuff on the books uh, for 2023 independently, um, you know, several, several shots in the UK, uh, Australia, Canada, going, going back to Calgary uh, next month for the hearts, uh, you know, which nice. is exciting for me and, um, you know, mm-hmm. lots of other stuff uh, on the horizon. Um, but what i'm very excited about is just is the ability to instead of sort of thinking man if this was me this is what i would do yeah <laughs> to, to go no let's do it yeah. right like like ideas that you might have or concepts that you might want to flesh out and do um i have enough contacts now and um you know and and feel sort of willing to take the risk financially to sort of try a couple of things and see what happens.
1: I love it. You brought up Sting in your conversation you said a few weeks ago. Did he give you any inv- advice on like the situation you are in now?
2: No, we we no, we didn't talk that deeply. Okay. <laughs> um you know, obviously with when you meet when you see guys at, at shows, you know, there's there's always there's always tons of people around and it wasn't like we sat down and went, "Hey, let's yeah. you know, like, hey Steve, can I pick your brains?" Like, it was very much sort of, uh, you know, he, he, he said, how do you feel about everything? And, you yeah. know, and that kind of thing. And I, I just told him pretty much what I told you is I'm just, uh, I'm just, I don't know. I don't know what's next, but I'm, I, I do know that I just want to, I want to have the ability to, to have a conversation if, if, if an opportunity comes up to have one and he was like, great. And you know, Steve is this, I mean, look, the one thing I will say, um, in regards to all this stuff, uh, you know, about me being a free agent and everything <laughs> is I've been overwhelmed at the number of legends, uh, you know, and real big names in our business names, certainly much, much bigger than mine, <laughs> um, who have gone out of their way to say on their respective podcasts or in interviews and stuff, uh, to say nice things about me and, and, you know, guys like Mick Foley, Ric yes. Flair, uh, DDP, um, obviously, you know, Stinger privately, but I think, you know, anyone who watched TNA knows, you know, knows that Sting was always kind of an ad, always kind of in my corner. Um, you know, I mean, uh, Dutch Mantel, Teddy Long, you know, I mean, it's just like the list goes on and on, you know, of people who I was just blown away at how they were all saying like, yeah, uh, he, this guy's gonna be fine, you know, like the, the, you know, and and even Rick, you know, going as far as to say, like, well, you know, either one of those two companies need to get him, and which, you know, whichever one does is is lucky to have him. It's like that, I I don't feel I don't think that way. You know. <laughs> yeah. I want to make that point. Like I I'm not sitting here going, hey man, you know, it's just a matter of time, brother. You know, I, I I'm <laughs> very, you know, I'm very open to the idea that, you know, it it it, it might not happen. You know yeah. but I'm but I'm just that's not what any of that was about it was about like I said it was about me just sort of you know moving on and, and starting a new chapter but I will say it's it's meant a hell of a lot to me um, that all of these these huge name guys have all come out and you know endorsed me like that that means a hell of a lot
1: yeah Keith I'm hogging it up let's hear it brother
2: <clears throat> no I mean
0: you touched on you know talking about stinger and the legends and stuff I mean I've been Once we kind of knew we were gonna be interviewing with you, I've been itching to ask about uh like the TNA experience with because you were in there at the time of like Russo was by himself for a little bit and then Hogan and Bischoff came in. Yep, you know, the Dixieland match. Yep, all of that stuff. I mean, to have someone who's been in there, because we hear all the stories and all wrestling fans are Russo's crazy.
2: Well, and it's (laughs) and it's quite topical, it's quite topical at the moment, isn't it, with all this. You know all this stuff going on with Jeff and yes, you know and and right. Karen and, right. and yeah right right, right right right, right. Was, so just, yeah. this, this, this yeah. and then and then Russo's been sort of been sort of um brought into it and Kurt and uh, Dixie and you know yeah it, I was I was in TNA from I was signed uh, I think I I believe I I first came to the office I went to Nashville uh, in the summer of. 08 and I signed a contract at the at the uh the end of 08 and I debuted in January of 09 um and yeah I mean you you know there was a pivotal sort of time for TNA because it was kind of like the peak obviously we didn't know it was the peak at the time <laughs> um but you know two they were doing you know a couple of million viewers a week on spike You know, house shows. I mean, I remember there was a period of time in TNA where the house show schedule was like three to four days a week. You know, it was like you know, it was bordering the sort of this you know similar kind of WWE you know schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously they weren't doing the same attendances, (laughs) but uh, but you know, it was it was like a fully operational you know sort of wrestling company, and um, but yeah, I've always. I, I think that my, my time at TNA was very educational. Um, if, you know, if, if not also sort of, uh, you know, somewhat sort of bad luck on my part in, 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 at times as well, because I feel like, um, there were certain relationships that, that, you know, that weren't that great yeah. <laughs> coming out of TNA for me, because I was a kid. Right. Um, And I was very, very green, but you have to understand that in TNA from like my time in there was 09 to 20 to 2015 and you know, there was about six different regime changes.
1: Yeah. Right. Like, you know,
2: when I first got there, it was Jeff, Russo, Dixie, you know, but Jeff had his crew like Dutch road dog and Savio and you know, whatever. And then it was like within. I guess uh, within a, uh, within a few months, I think, I me get, I think it was the summer of that year. It's like Jeff's gone and sort of Jeff's team disappears and Al Russo. And, yeah. you know, then by the end of that year, Hogan and Bischoff come in. Yeah. You know, and Bruce Pritchard comes in right? and it's sort of like, you know, a guy like me who nobody, who, who nobody really, I didn't, I didn't really have anybody sort of uh, in my corner except for Dixie which was not necessarily a good thing, <laughs> you know, yeah. it was a good thing for yeah. me. And I will say that I, I see a lot of stuff get said about mm-hmm. Dixie. um, And I think it's always, I, for me, it's always important to me to mention that uh, I would not have had a career in the United States without her, you know, certainly not at the age I did anyway. I certainly wouldn't have had the opportunity at 21 years old uh, had it not been for Dixie, you know, yeah. and I will say uh Dutch, I heard Dutch talk about this um, when my name came up with you know with all the, with me leaving the NWA and everything. He was the only guy who who actually, you know, accurately described all that. He was like Dixie was the one who, you know, who who brought him in and and was convinced that he could do something. And and Dutch even said, you know, people talk about a lot of stuff that Dixie got wrong, but that's something she got right, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I you know it's always I always because. You know, there are criticisms of Dixie that are valid, right? Just like there are criticisms of everybody that are valid. Yes, uh, And, you know, sometimes I think it's very easy for certain people who still rely on their credibility in wrestling yeah. to make money. It's very yeah. easy for them to just offload everything and say, I was all Dixie, right? Like, yeah. um, <clears throat>
0: it,
2: I was... I was, I was there and I have a very unique perspective on a lot of that stuff. But what the point I was getting to was that for a guy like me, it, it was very difficult being a sort of 22, 23 year old kid, still sort of learning the business and still trying to sort of yeah. build relationships and stuff. And then you sort of make a bit of progress and then suddenly, Oh, there's a new guy in charge and he doesn't know you at all. And he right. thinks that you're, and he treats you like a jabroni all over again. Right. Yeah. I went through that cycle like two or three times and so it's unfortunate because I think there are certain people now when some of them work at WWE, you know, <laughs> uh, who now have this impression of like, oh, this kid, you know, he, like he, he, he thinks a lot of himself and this and that. And it was like, I don't, I think it's, div- I think sometimes they don't appreciate that when, you know, from my perspective, I was like in the trenches, like trying to sort of make some progress. And then all of a sudden I would just have to start back from square one, right? Yeah. Like, and, you know, there's only so many times that you can be told like, well, you haven't really done anything or you're green, you know, or, like you need to get more experience. And I'm going, well, <laughs> well, I wrestled every, I wrestled like six days a week, like yeah. my first two years in wrestling. And I've been here for two years and, you know, I'm, like, what, I don't, what else am I supposed to do? I'm, you know, I'm, I don't, that, they were sending me to Japan and Mexico and this and that. I'd be going like, well, what am I supposed you know, what else am I supposed to do? Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, you sort of develop a lot of, it, it was very easy at that time to get caught up in all of the drama, because, like, the whole section of people would disappear, you know, right. and then and if and it would be like all the talent, you know, there were there was uh, there were a lot of talent who were sort of considered like, oh, he's so and so's guy, right? Like yeah. for me, it was like, oh, he's a Dixie guy, you know, yeah. for a while. But then, and it's so funny to me because. You know, fast forward like years later and and then, you know, suddenly I was being called, oh, he's a Jeff Jarrett guy, you know? And I was kind of like, well, you wouldn't have said that when I was first sighted first yeah. in TNA because it was like Jeff, Jeff and Dixie were kind of like, they, they were they were the two sort of guys. They were the two teams having a civil war in TNA when I got right. there. And I was considered on the other team. So it's like I managed to win Jeff over during my time there. But then it's like by the time you get his, oh, he's a Jeff Jarrett guy, you know? And then yeah. oh, Billy Corken guy, like Billy didn't even know me. you know like he did we billy and i had no relationship when we started the nwa none like you know it was it it was you know it was just interesting because a lot of stuff there's a lot of experts in wrestling you know yeah and uh unfortunately a lot of their expertise is uh is dictated to them by what's been written on websites and what and and those websites have had stuff fed to them from one side
1: yeah right
2: so then it's like these these sort of these certain narratives just sort of live forever. Um, and it's just, you know, and I, I don't really care, but it's interesting to me because it's like, I guess because of the the generational thing, enough time has passed, I guess, from the sort of peak TNA years. Yeah. Now there's this whole new sort of wave of interest in it, like on all the podcasts and everything. And it's yeah. funny, I'm listening to it all and it's like. You see all these people who go, like, well, everyone knows that this and that and the other is what happened. And I'm sitting there going, That's funny because I was there.
1: Yeah.
2: Like, and I don't remember it being like that. <laughs> of, like, course. And, of course. And uh, yeah, I I I saw a lot. Yeah. You know, and I mm-hmm. and I think what's interesting is I saw a lot from different points of view. Because when I first got there, obviously I was a complete Jabron and you know like a 500 five hundred dollar 500 a night guy mm-hmm. you know and i worked my way all the way up to being world champion um and it's just interesting you know just because because you see things one way when you're when when you're in the main events you know but you see things a whole other way when you're like on explosion yeah, <laughs> right and you know the, the other like, end right when like it's me and the young bucks and Okada and Jay Lethal and everyone's like sitting in a trailer at universal, like wondering if any of us have a match, <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. it's like, <laughs> that's such a crazy statement. Yeah. Those
0: names just, that, that we,
2: I, when yeah. we did all in, that was the, th- I remember saying to Nick and Matt, like that was the thing that I kept thinking about was like, there was a, there was a period of time where there was one of the trailers at universal and it would be, it would be, uh the bucks me okada um uh Jay lethal doug williams uh occasionally joe joe would kind of, joe was you know joe was kind of an og at tna so he would sort of he could kind of float anywhere yeah um uh there are other there are other names i'm sure i'm missing but it just i remember all in it was like i was the nwa champion Jay lethal was the ring of honor champion Mm -hmm. Okada was IWGP champion, I think, and the man, you know, in New Japan. Yeah. And it's like, and obviously the Young Bucks are, you know, this phenomenon.
1: Yeah. And it was just,
2: and like, here we are on this show that, you know, that Nick and Matt and Cody and, you know, Kenny and everyone had sort of orchestrated. And it was just funny because it was like, we're, you know, that was 18. And it was like less than 10 years ago, we were all sitting in the trailer at Universal, you know, playing gator golf wondering if you <laughs> yeah. know like if we had like a four minute match on explosion or something so yeah yeah it's funny how that goes
1: that's crazy we had crazy. davey on the the show a few months ago when he said dixie carter one word misunderstood so
2: i don't I know can, if that, i can understand yeah.
1: that yeah
2: i think her heart was in the right place yeah um most of the time you know i think I don't I don't want to be a whole show about D- Dixie, you know, but I think that, um, I will say that, you know, she remains a friend to this day. You know, she still sends us, she sent us a Christmas card this year. We, st- you know, we, we occasionally, nice. we occasionally get, to, you know, get together with her and Serge and the kids and like, you know, we, so it's like they're very much, you know, you know, I owe Dixie a lot, yeah. you know, and I always yeah. will. And I've always been grateful to Dixie for, for her sort of sticking a neck out for me. Um, She's certainly not innocent, right? As far as like, she's, you know, yeah. she was, she was ruthless. Mm-hmm. You know, she made, she made judgment calls. She, you know, did what she thought she had to do. Uh, but again, how is that any different to any other top executive in professional yes, wrestling?
0: Exactly.
2: I think that it's very easy. I th- and I think sadly, a lot of the reason that her stuff comes under more scrutiny is the fact that she was a woman. Right. You know, and the fact that she is perceived to be, you know, she, she obviously, uh, her family are extraordinarily wealthy. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: um, that doesn't and, help. Right. And, um, you know, so, so I think, and I think that maybe because she was portrayed for so long as this sort of clueless, ditzy, kind of easily manipulated person, that and she, you know, she was aware of all that. Like yeah. it wasn't, she wasn't, you know, she wasn't, she wasn't, um, she wasn't, she wasn't was naive, naive to the uh, to the fact that the, that this this narrative was was out there about her. And I think that maybe, unfortunately, she tried to overcompensate. Then, you know, she then tried to, the, I'm going to be ruthless, and I'm going to, mm-hmm. you know, I'll show these wrestlers who's boss. You know, yeah, you know, the Iron Fist, which, yes. which of course then, you know, may, makes you a heel in a totally different way. Yeah. And it's just difficult because if you you know it's difficult to navigate these waters. There are people who have been in the business for years, um, and still find the whole you know, navigating the war the political landscape of professional wrestling impossible to do. It is without question the worst part of the profession, you know, <laughs> dealing with just because it because we're in the business of manipulation, right? We're, our jobs are to manipulate the audience into emotionally investing in what we're doing so that they buy a pay-per-view or buy a ticket to see us wrestle or whatever. So of course, those skills transfer into, you know, how we conduct ourselves business-wise, you know, it's yeah. because as even though the, the sad thing about it is that business flourishes when everybody backstage is honest, Right. And if we're all on the same page, hey, we're trying to work them. <laughs> we're not trying to work ourselves, right? Like, um, you know, the, the the problem, so many of the problems that happen in wrestling are because guys work themselves into a shoot, you know, and I've I've, I've seen it and I've been involved and I've been part of it.
1: We got to talk about it. Your wife going one-on-one with Jordan Grace, career verse uh, champion. Mm-hmm. Seems like a new chapter for you and maybe the end of the line for Mickey. What do you think? Let's hear maybe,
2: it. M- well, look, Uh, it would, it would be a disservice to Jordan grace for me to sit here and say it's in the bag, you know, she's got this like new champion, right. Um, it's the toughest test that she's had in impact since she returned to impact. She knows that, uh, I think most people accept that, um, and, that's, and, again, that's and that's not a knock to uh, some of the, you know, very high-level talent like Deanna Prazzo and, you know, and others in yep. Impact. Uh, but Jordan Grace is, you know, she's on a tear, and she's a, a remarkable athlete, an extraordinary physical specimen. Um, and, you know, Mickey knows that physically uh, this one's going to be you know, she's going to have to pack a lunch. Uh, and, um, I think the cool thing about it is that she's, she's, uh, she's open to the possibility that, Hey, this could be it. And if it is, then so be it. I'm going to go out on my shield. Um, and you know, that's, that's the only way you can approach it, I think, because the last thing you can do is go into anything like that with any fear so I think that for her, she's, um, you know, she's she's ready to, to, you know, I, I hate to use this phrase again, but it seems to be the one that's appropriate. But she's ready to go all in and just go. Okay, you know, this yeah. is it, right? It's win or go home.
1: Yeah, and she's okay with that if that does happen.
2: Sure, like yeah. I said, but we, we, you know, we're 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 excited about new opportunities. You know, yeah. like like the stuff we're working on in Australia and other stuff that we're potentially doing overseas and things like that as well. So, you know, um, not that she's anticipating it,
1: no, but it's no. like,
2: but it's you know, you reach a point in your career where, um, if you love the business, you know, you reach a point where you're realistic, and yeah. you go, well, I can't be a talent forever, you know, but I also, but you know you have to learn the other elements of the business the same way you learned being a talent, right? Like it doesn't, it you know, you don't just sort of, you, you can't just show up the next day and now you're a producer and now you're an executive or now you're this and now you're that, like, you know, you sort of, you have to, you know, get your feet wet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, have you learned what have, I don't want to say have you, what have you learned from your wife's career? Uh, and has it helped you and yours? Obviously.
2: Well, yes, no doubt. I mean, I th- I will say that the thing that I picked up from her, I think, um, and I think this is one that you could, if you go back and you you could actually, you can you can even sort of really, um, you can sort of visually um, uh, timestamp it.
1: Yeah.
2: Is Mickey would dress like a star, like no matter what she was like traveling through the airport
0: mm-hmm.
2: um you know going yeah. you know going to the grocery store doing you know whatever right uh, and you know when when we first started dating you know we weren't we weren't living together at first but obviously we would travel together and there would be times where I you know she is not very punctual her time her her, her punctuality is not her strong point <laughs> so there would be times where we'd be really sort of cutting it close in terms of making flights yeah. and stuff like that yeah but it was because she insisted on you know full hair and makeup jewelry nice clothes right yeah, like, so
1: it was a reason why
2: like you got the, and i 100 uh adopted that um and it's all and it's and I, and I think it fared me very well yeah you know if you look you know now it's like one of the things that people bring up all the time is the way I dress. Yeah. Right? Rick like, brought it up. Yeah. And, uh, I forget where I was. Oh, actually, I know where it was, I saw Jeff Jarrett at the gym, the Jeff and I train, one of the gyms I train at is the, the gym that Jeff trains at. And I, we saw, and I forget how we would, how it came up, but we had seen each other at an event recently, maybe Russell Cade or something. And, um, he mentioned something about, you know, he's like, I, I saw you guys over there. You looked, you know, you your outfits coordinated. You had the nice suit on, and she had a dress, da da da, and this and that. And he and we, I forget how it came up, but we were talking about how uh, Jeff had said something about like, man, I see some of these guys there, and they're just in a, you know, they're just in the like, just in a t-shirt, you know, and whatever. And it's like, yeah, what are you doing, man? And I said, yeah, I said, and 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 I said, I said the way I look at it is if you're going to pay for my autograph, right. Or pay for, to have a picture with me, you, you're paying for Nick Aldis, right? Yeah. You're paying for, you know, you, if you're going to pay for it, you're going to get, you you know, I paid for Nick Aldis, not kind of Nick Aldis, you know, I, I, like yeah, I, I, paid, for, I yeah. paid for the, I paid for the national treasure Nick Aldis, the, you know, the one that I've yeah, seen yeah. on, on, on NWA power or whatever. Right. Like I didn't pay for like, you know, Nick Aldis on his couch um yeah and that's sort of the way i look at it it's it's to me it's a commitment to the audience it's a commitment mm-hmm. to the fans who who are going to you know part with their hard-earned money
1: yeah and i think that's something that's missing today i won't mm-hmm. name names but it seems like a lot of champions come out well with a, with let a me t-shirt
2: I, I, and a sweat well oh, well i'm not going to comment on that and i have to be you know and i tread very yes. carefully because i'm one of those people that everything i say gets turned into fucking clickbait and yeah. you know every, everyone's just desperate to turn everything i say into always taking a shot at someone and it's like i'm really not guys like i you know no if that was me no, no, i no, I take no. a shot at someone i'll take a fucking shot at them right i love it it's like <laughs> yeah um having said that you know i'm not saying everybody has to uh, wear custom made suits right and and it's not like that's anything original either it's not like I, you know, it's not like I invented that. <laughs> you know, yeah. it works for me. Um but, you know, if like Mick Foley a great example, yes. right? Mick the, the to a to a to an uneducated viewer, right? Or to a, or to a sort of casual viewer, it might seem like well, that was good, but but it was very it was meticulously put together. Yeah. You know, his look, his look was crafted, carefully crafted and put together. Mick, right. you know, this is Mick, Mick's success is not an accident. He, you know what I mean? He wasn't It like the Cactus Jack look was a great look. It was a money look, you know, the mankind look like all, you know, totally different, you know, um, yeah. and, and, and he reinvented that with when he did the corporate thing and he started wearing the shirt yeah. and tie. And it was like that yeah. was a whole different it was like mm-hmm. these were to 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 the untrained eye might come across as a sort of as a as a sort of haphazard thing but they weren't very you know it was a look yeah um you know and to this day i mean no one can touch wwe for that as far as like how the people are presented like every single person is presented like a you know like a star i'm talking more about uh you know when you're in my position where you kind of have to do you know diy a lot of stuff You know, where you're like my, you know, I don't have a, I don't have a team of people sort of, you know, arranging my stuff for me. Right. Like, so when I'm, (laughs) I've made my, I've made my living, you know, even, even with the NWA, I've made my living off, you know, making the effort to sort of, to present myself as comparable to anyone in the business. Um, you know, and to me that goes, that goes with, you know, how you present yourself in public, uh, in situations where you're meeting with fans. Yes um that that doesn't necessarily but you know if your gimmick is something else but i st- yeah. i agree that i think that i think if people are paying for your picture and autograph like they should get the full experience they should get the character not the guy playing the character
1: yeah and I apologize. That was my point. No, 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 you, no, you. Of, I, I know you weren't intentionally yeah. trying to no. you know,
2: <laughs> conflate the two, but no, like I, I, the-
1: I like the Nick All this look. I like the Ric Flair look. So when yeah. I think of when I think of a champion, that's what I think of. Again, it's you know, it is what it is. But I, I
2: borrowed a ton from Rick and I borrowed a lot from uh, Bockwinkle. Yeah, you know, and I, mean, I borrowed, I borrowed from, I, I borrowed from Harley. I borrowed from Triple H. I, I borrowed from Brett, You know. I mean, uh, you know, I, that, those those are the guys that I sort of, yeah, I felt fit what I was trying to accomplish in different ways, you know, but I borrowed from all of them in different ways. Yeah, I think
0: that's a good point that it's like, it's more of crafting to look for the the character and stuff. Yes. In that same way, I mean, yes, like you're right. If I'm meeting Nick Aldis and I'm getting a picture with Nick Aldis, like, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting the nice suit and the, the, the holding the belt and all, like bringing me right back to that old NWA style. Right. But, like, in that same time, if I'm going to meet Mick Foley and I walk in and he's in a custom <laughs> right. suit, I'm going to be It's it. like, what? Right, Why? right, right. right. Cool. No I one know, needs to see know, that. Shame, I don't
1: want that picture anymore. <laughs> I love yeah.
2: it. I love it. Or if it's um, December, you'll get Mick in full Santa. I, it, yeah, time, yeah, which yeah. I have to say, <laughs> a, a quick sidebar. Um, Mick, is, Mick has been on the mind because he did uh, one of the most – generous uh and selfless things for us this christmas um i couldn't believe that he that he did it uh, especially considering the weather in tennessee was not favorable at all but he came to our home on christmas eve in full santa attire <laughs> in f- like uh, you know and uh for our son you know who's eight and he was awestruck it was uh, you know and, and we couldn't um you know I, c- I couldn't believe that mick did that for us it was i was blown away by the gesture um i just thought i'd mention that because you know the, the mick foley is a um he's a once in a lifetime human being i us say that
1: yeah 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 i think as fans we can see that too
0: i yeah he's my he's my all-timer um it's like one of those things. Whenever I see any story, I feel like there's no bad no. stories anyone has to say or anything. The worst there ever was was when there was the whole everything where Ric Flair was like he's a glorified stuntman. But even that, it was it was never yeah. Rick saying anything like he's a bad person or he's this that or the other. Yeah, it was just a comment yeah. on the style. Himself, I just, I mean,
2: he's the best. As a, as a human being, I just you know, Mick Foley, he's special. Yeah.
1: You know what Mick said that I found very interesting? He said, you are one of the funniest guys in wrestling.
2: (laughs) I heard that. I heard that.
1: What's that about, Nick?
2: Well, when we were in Australia, we did this tour of Australia in uh, 2018. It was actually in the, it was during, it was right before all in. It was sort of when we were in the, in the, in the thick of uh, building the feud with Cody and I, building the, building the angle for, for Cody and I all in. Um, and it was just it was a really fun crew um and you know that's that's really what it's tours like that are kind of what you live for as a wrestler like over over the years you know because it's very difficult to have all your friends in the same place because there are only so so many spots you know in on the shows or on in contracts with companies and stuff like that you know and i i remember like the hard, just just as a as a as an example quick sidebar like the hardest part of me deciding to to walk away from TNA you know and not sign another contract was the fact that for that year before leading up to like the last year of my contract um or like even more than a year but like we had a really good crew of guys like Tom was there Eddie Edwards was there you know uh Zema was there you know it, it, EC3 like we we, and we were we were all sort of the same age and we were all pals and we would all you know rent a big minivan and like do, do all the shows together and stuff like that and it was like that was the that was the only thing I was you know that I was gonna miss right because it's hard to get all your friends in one place um and we did this tour of Australia with House of Hardcore for Tommy and so it's like (laughs) it's my you know it's dreamer it's my mick was there i was there billy gunn's there joey mercury um oh gosh i'm i know i'm missing people out and then there was and then and then obviously there were like top aussie guys like jonah you know i worked with jonah on one of those shows and i worked robbie eagles on one of those shows and you know i was very i got some really great bookings on that because i you know i got to work with the top aussie talent um but you know when everyone's like we, they would put us up in these. They had these like, they were these sort of uh, apartment hotels. So they were sort of they were hotels, but the but the rooms were sort of mini apartments. So we would get so like I was rooming. I was in an apartment with Joey and Billy Gunn because because they went. Oh, you're all gym guys. Like you can all <laughs> you know you could because you guys all want to go to the gym and you want to yeah, like yeah. eat chicken and you know and have protein shakes. And all so you can all you know go together. Um, and it was just it was just a good crew and when you have a good crew like that and everybody's sort of performing and, you know, everyone's having a good time and, you know, you're having good matches because everybody on the, everyone on the tour is good and and all that. So it just puts you in a good mood and it just, and, and, you know, the, the thing that a lot of the time you'll hear from, from vets and stuff is to say, if you're having fun, they're having fun, right? Like if you believe it, they believe it and all that kind of thing. So like, remember whatever you're experiencing, you know, amplify it and the audience will experience it with you um and I think we just you know we just had fun on that tour and so you know i think because i was the i was the nwa champion and it was sort of, it was sort of fresh that i'd been doing like the traveling champion thing like i'd been legitimately been all over the world defending yeah. the belt i'd been to china and i'd been you know all, i'd been in the in the uk and i'd been in or coast to coast in the states and in canada and stuff so now i'm in australia and it was sort of, you know, you could feel people were like, This is really cool that you're sort of, you know, that they're doing this. So like like a lot of the old timers, like Al Snow was on that tour. And they, they they were sort of like, you know, you and I remember it just it just was one of those things where uh in a loving way, I wanna I have to add, like we would be doing a lot of homages to Flair. Nice. Right.
1: Um
2: and <laughs> it just you know, everybody who's been around Rick has a has a flare story.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, most people have about twenty flare <laughs> stories,
1: um,
2: and I have. You know, I have mine. I you know, I have yeah. my story, my Flair stories mm-hmm. because I got a chance to sort of spend time with Rick in TNA and stuff. So it's like, so everyone has their own unique flare stories, and because Flair is such a legend, yeah, and he is so, he is such a unique person. Like he, he, you know, nobody has, nobody will, nobody, nobody behaves sort of like Ric Flair does 24 seven. So he's one of those people where you, you can't narrow it down to like, Oh, that, that notorious story where Rick did this, there's so many, you know? So what happens is everybody who's been around Rick has their own Rick stories. And they're, even though they're all sort of similar, they're all still yeah. unique as well. So I think I was just telling some of mine, but I just have this tendency to just go into character when I'm telling stories. Yeah. So I just started sort of, you know, and again, not in a, you know, in a, in a loving way, I would just sort of, when it got to the part, you know, the, the, of the story, I would do flair, you know, <laughs> so, of course, and like, and then, and then, and you know, hmm. Mick just Mick was just getting a kick out of it. I guess I'm a fairly decent raconteur. You know, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to over embellish that. But I think when I, if I if I've got a funny story to tell, I can tell it quite well. And yeah. um, and I and and it just you know, Mick just got a real kick out of me doing flair. I think because probably I guess from from Mick's point of view, whenever I was when I was first around Mick. I was so green and so new that I was very shy and like, obviously, you know, you have to be on your P's and Q's and, you know, yes, sir, no, sir. And, you know, you're just, you're, you're just trying to not, you know, you're, you're just trying to be very sort of, um, you know, in uh, sort of inoffensive, either one way, right? you're just trying to sort of pay your dues and, and, you know, keep quiet and, you know, mouth shut, ears open. Yeah. And by this point I, you know, I'd got enough, I'd, I'd obviously done enough and got more comfortable. And I think that that was just sort of the first time Mick saw that, Side of me, and he just got such a kick out of it. And because Mick is so Mick's so funny, right? Mm -hmm. That his his laugh is infectious, and if you know, and then if I'm making Mick laugh, like then it's making me laugh, and it's making me more into it. So then I'm carrying on, and it just we did this show at um, a theme park, and I think this is the thing that Mick talked about on the show. We we did this show at a theme park. I think it was in, I forget, it might have been in Queensland. I forget where in Australia it was, but uh, the area, like our sort of holding area where we were sort of getting dressed, slash, kind of warming up, slash, getting ready to go work the show, or whatever, was in this sort of, it was like a staff cafeteria sort of area, like a sort of dining area, but for yeah, the yeah, staff. Yeah. Like, yeah. But it was, but it just, it happened to be adjacent to like this kids' ride called the the little <laughs> called the little butte toot toot it was like a little train you know thing or whatever yeah
1: of course of course and
2: uh, it's just was you know when you're getting charged up for a show you know the adrenaline starts pumping and you start getting kind of you know you've got all this energy and you know so you and i'm just uh, and i next thing i know i'm just for some reason i'm i'm like i've got the you know i've got the nwa title so i'm sort of doing flair with the 10 pounds of gold and i'm just like cutting promos on the little butte <laughs> toot toot <laughs> as rick Flair, like, you know like the little butte, yeah toot, toot brother you know and all this kind of thing and, and, and i guess and for whatever reason it just stuck yeah. with mick and so everywhere every, you know everywhere we went after that every time i saw mick he'd be like the little butte, toot yeah. toot you
1: know that's great <laughs> hey i mean we touched on all in about a thousand times i feel like we got to talk about it and you did talk about it on sam roberts uh podcast you said it was a. Uh, a lightning bolt in a bottle situation. Obviously as fans we know why that was, but for you, why was it so important? Why was it such a a big moment in your career? And then also if you can, can you uh take us through that day?
2: Well, for me, obviously it was just the chance to work on a big stage. Right? Like <clears throat> um since, you know, uh, you know, obviously TNA did some had some big big shows, you know, like Wembley and you know certain shows or you know whatever and so it had you know and i'd worked a couple of decent sized decent houses in japan and stuff but it was like for me it was the first show where it was a sellout in an arena in a major wrestling market and i was a featured attraction you know right. that's net so that that's number mm. one um And then the fact that it was such a, such a unique situation in that it was, you know, essentially a sort of independent show, but it didn't feel like an independent show. It was almost like, I, you know, I used I sort of, I used to, I used to to describe it in a loving way as like indie mania, WrestleMania for everyone who's not in WWE kind of thing. It was kind of like a WrestleMania for the non WWE wrestlers, right? Right. Um, that's what it felt like. It had that sort of level of anticipation to it, you know. Not that it's compared, you know, because that'll be the next thing. Someone will say, Oh, he compared all into WrestleMania, you yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> but it had that kind of energy, right? Like it had that feel of like this has never been done before. This is a sort of really unique situation, and the matches on that card, you know, my you know, Carter. Uh, Kenny and Pentagon, um, the 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 Bucks, uh, the six man with you know Ray Mysterio and you know what I mean. And Jericho showed up. I mean, it was like, and so for me, the the fact that all of that stuff happened on that show, and yet, uh, my match with Cody, you know, still gets talked about and you know and held in such sort of high regard that's validation for me that's what it represents to me because there was a lot of guys on that show who were who you know with much bigger Q value than I have right and and you know sort of Jericho I mean you know you're talking about like a major sort of star right Judas. A, of his, a major major star of his generation and a major star of multiple generations you know but to to but for 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 people to this day to be bringing it mm. up and still saying like your match was the match that, that meant the most. Um, it's validation for me, you know? And, and I know like anyone who's heard an interview of me in the last couple of years it was, you know, being a dead horse, but, <laughs> um, the, you know, the thing you're always trying to achieve in the business is to, is to get that feeling of like, we, we got them. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we like, the work was done before the bell, uh, which is how the business, you know, is at its best. Um, you shouldn't put all the pressure on just the match or ha- having a good match. You know, uh, the business doesn't thrive that way. The business thrives on building anticipation and then executing. Um, and for us, you know, to stand there and to have, you know, 11,000 people screaming and on their feet in this sort of organic moment of like, I always took that as a, I feel like everybody in the building kind of went, we're here to, we want Cody to win. You know, we want, we want Cody to win this belt and we want him to win in this, you know, in this fashion. We want him to win for his, for his dad. And we want that moment. Like we want to witness history, but at the same time, it was like a little bit of a tip of the hat to me. Like, Hey, you, you know, we appreciate that you've, got it to this point kind of thing really? that's the way i always took it because if everyone had just come but oh, i just came to see cody win like when the barring would have just been about cody right but it, at that moment it was more of a sort of it was like an anticipation of like i can't believe this is happening yeah and to be in a situation you know to ever to you know to pull off something like that without the help of a a wrestling office Right. We didn't have our team of writers and a, and a, and a marketing team and a media team and publicity and a massive publicity tour. And, you know, we, we weren't doing the tonight show and you know what I mean? It was like to be able to accomplish something like that. Yeah. Without just, just through our own, you know, through a YouTube show through the efforts of Cody and I and Lagana and ring of honor and, you know, the, everyone involved to be able to sort of pull that off um, with such limited resources you know, like I said, it, it was validation, right? Like if, you know, if I, if I, if I quit the business tomorrow, mm-hmm. you know, that, that will be the, that will be the match that people talk about.
0: Right. Now, did you know going into all in that you were going to have a follow-up match with Cody? Yes. Okay.
2: It, we actually wanted to do a trilogy, mm-hmm. but unfortunately that never happened. Ring of Honor. Um mm-hmm. Ring of honor put the kibosh on that
0: okay.
2: I guess I could talk about it now enough time has passed there was, some there, was some there were some misconceptions about that and I think that even you know I think Cody even at the time had a little bit of hurt feelings about it because he wasn't quite sure who to trust and and look there's a whole lot to unpack and I, and I, I don't want to get into it but there there was a period you know there was some there was some there was a lot of misconceptions around that period um but the way i understood it what you know was that so the only thing that we, we it was obviously we knew that we were going to do two matches we were going to have the return match in nashville yeah. but i got with cody and like once you know we we knew how big chicago was going to be with uh, you know a few weeks before like before a few weeks before Chicago like we obviously it was already obviously they sold out the the show sold out in 30 minutes but I didn't have anything to do with that um but as we got closer and closer I think we you know you, you when you've been in the business long enough you kind of know when something you're doing is is hitting you know and I had you know it you know I, I'm not in WWE so I haven't had that feeling a lot right so So when you know that you're the talk of the town, right? Like you're, you're the talk of the business. Um, obviously naturally you start thinking about, can we get more out of this? Can we, you know, can we, you know, what, what, how can we maximize this? Um, and I think that once we had the, once we had the match and then we knew that the, the, the Nashville match was coming up, I had some conversation with Cody about like, do you think we could, I think we could do a trilogy. Like. And I said, and I basically, from what I recall, I just remember sort of throwing it out there like, what if it's a Broadway in Nashville, and then we do a number three in London? And it was kind of like, you know, we were excited about that. Um, In the meantime, (laughs) he, you know, AEW started. uh, And, you know, I certainly didn't know anything about that until, you know, after that, but, but, you know, I guess at some point in there, he had to sort of let Ring of Honor know, like, I'm you know, I'm out of here at the end of the year, (laughs) you know, thanks for everything. Um, and so then, you know, Ring of Honor basically said, right, that's it. You know, couldn't, you know, uh, um, at least again this is just this is this is the way the, the the version of it that i know um i was basically then sort of told like hey you know conclude your business with Cody at the next at this Nashville show and that's that and that's it right and we were um you know so you know Cody and i were disappointed it was sort of out of our hands right yeah. and that's what i'm talking about with with wrestling mm-hmm. like so like the worst part of wrestling is the politics yeah. because I saw you guys' faces when I just said that. When I said, "What if we went Broadway in Nashville and then we had a a, a rubber match in London?" A yeah, match in London.
0: Yeah.
2: Right. So, you know, for it not to happen, it's not a business decision, right? No. It's a political decision because it's like, yeah. screw yeah. you, you know. And this was a, they weren't saying that to me, right? You yeah. know, they were saying it to Cody. <clears throat> So it's like, it's unfortunate that things like that happen because, you know, ultimately the people that suffer are the fans, you know, and it's, you know, and and egos get in the way and, you know, it's a part of the business, but it's, like I said, it's my least favorite part of the business.
1: Yeah. Now, I don't want to get too much into NWA because like you said, we
2: beat that. What's done is done, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. But what have you learned from your experience working there? I mean- And then, I I mean, even with, you know, you being the face of the company when when Billy took over, I mean, again, we've heard it on Not Sam. We've heard it all over. We don't need to hear that. Just your experience because you have such a great mind. I would love to know more.
2: Well, I take – I mean, let me say this. I take way more away from it that's, you know, positive than I do negative, right? You know, it's – you know, things changed in the last year, and that's unfortunate, but it is what it is. but man I, I learned a lot because essentially it was a lot of the stuff that 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 happened uh happened through just sheer force of will on my part like i taught myself how to edit like mm-hmm. i was making the packages for you know my matches with trevor and you know, stuff and my match with Mike Bennett, like I took a lot of pride in the stuff I did with Mike Bennett, Um, you know, delving into, you know, when he sort of, he allowed me to, you know, to delve into his issues with addiction, you know, and use it, I thought, in a tasteful way to sort of, to sort of promote and build this, his kind of journey back to pro wrestling, like where he'd felt like he'd sort of, you know, he'd left WWE and was so, you know, like a lot of guys who leave WWE, they're, they're they're lost and they're bitter and they're resentful and they're, and they're, you know, and they're unsure of themselves and they, and they, they don't know where their place is anymore. Uh, So to be able to sort of help Mike, you know, to help sort of play a part in Mike's rebuilding, you know, and then to sort of, put together this piece that i thought was you know tasteful but also emotional and personal and it's a sort of you know to like i I, you know for me good pro wrestling is like rocky you know it's sort of it's antagonist and protagonist and it's like the struggle of the protagonist to sort of you know to overcome the obstacles and reach the final the final boss and can he, can he win? Can he overcome the, the, the antagonists, right? Like that's what I love to do in wrestling. So I think, you know, what I take away from my time at the NWA more than anything is that I've, I've learned how to orchestrate and engineer that, uh, as a talent and as a producer, right? because I had to be all of those things at the NWA, right? Like I, I had to wear a lot of hats. So it was sort of like, cody was the best example of it the angle with cody and i because it was like okay the hard part is done in the sense of like there's a there's a there's an arena with eleven thousand people waiting for us so how the how do we how do we build this anticipation to you know because usually you have to do all that stuff in order to sell the tickets right. but in this on that occasion they'd sold the tickets so we were like cool now we've got and again, uh, you know, just the collaborative, you know, experience of being able to, instead of, and I, and, I, and this is, again, this isn't a knock on TNA or WWE or anywhere else, but to be able to, to do all that without someone else going, here's what you're going to do. Here's a piece of paper, you know, Wait. you're doing this and it's, you know, instead of going, I wonder if we did this and then did that and then did this and it worked. You know, um, I learned how to, I learned how to, uh, share ideas. You know, I learned how to, um, I learned how to manage people because a lot of the time younger talent would feel more comfortable coming to me with stuff than they would maybe going to management uh and i you know would be a sort of conduit between the two you know i learned how to be a leader right like i and i, I but i also learned how to uh accept you know that there are things that you can't control right i i, I you know i i learned so much from you know from my time but i guess for me you know the 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 thing i learned the most was was you know really um the booking process right like instead you know because instead of just being instead of just thinking of one particular idea right like you you know you might go when i you know when you work for a company you might you might have i have this one idea you know but instead like having the responsibility to go well here's how we could here's how we could get there and here's how we could implement it and here's how we could execute it and you know if we here here, here's the resources we have you know i can i can make that happen and i can talk to a guy who can make this part happen and i can you know figure out a way to get to this um and you know what it's done is just given me so much confidence that again if i were to you know if i were to have the opportunity to do anything with better resources i've you know now i feel very confident that i could you know make something make some magic
0: um i mean my biggest one i feel bad like kind of going back into the the whole tna aspect of everything <laughs> one of the most interesting kind of pieces i was like you know in, in kind of doing a deeper dive into everything for the interview here and by all means correct me if i'm wrong in saying this but you you have not worked in new japan no before okay but you are, with that in mind, you and Doug Williams won the IWGP tag titles.
2: Yeah. What one? Yeah.
0: Right. But they didn't recognize it, but then they did. But then you lost them back to Team 3D while also winning the TNA ones.
2: I feel like it yeah. just
0: has Russo stamped everywhere. But, like, how does how does something like that? Come about in that? Is it
2: really
1: just something where I have no idea? Like, I don't know their <laughs> props. I'll do whatever I want. Good you
2: night. Know. You have to understand. <laughs> like this was in this was in two thousand nine, and I, I had you know, I didn't i had absolutely no say in anything you know i was like i was very much at that point in my career it was very much like i show up and i get told what's happening and and i do it you know um i you know the only thing i remember was like you know doug had been very well established in japan for noah and i remember thinking this is not i remember thinking that that you know and again this and i'm not trying to upset anyone but the the IWGP tag team belts only meant something to fans who knew you know the the lineage of them and what they represented and all that having said that i knew that you know me winning them would not go over well <laughs> so trust me when i tell you like when i got told what was happening i was like do we really like that's yeah. not gonna that's not good for us like it's not good for me right like if anything that's going to hurt me because those fans are going to go the fuck he's never even been to new japan you know like <laughs> how can he be one- right and it's like yeah i said the same thing that the, any of the fans who you know shit on it would have said but again you, you don't have a say you're not going to sit and go well i don't want to win the match you know
0: right
2: um and then you know it was like Yeah, there was all this yeah you know and obviously people are very sensitive about new japan like when it comes to that kind of thing and i just was like i just wanted no part of it because i was like if they want to book us and have us go over there whatever then fine but like what you know why win their belts on a tna show like it was just such a it would just i just felt unnecessary and it's just funny because it gets brought up and i just for me i just sort of erase that. I never, it's like, I bring it up for heat sometimes, right? Like I'm an IWGP champion, GHC tag team champion, you know, TNA tag team champion, but, but, but it's like, I know that the, the IWGP tag team champion, you know, reign has a big sort of asterisk next to it. You know, like I, I don't consider it like I know for me, I don't think of it as that. I have too much respect for new Japan and the IWGP tag belts to, to sort of take our sort of weird, convoluted run with them seriously um and then yeah like we was it like a ladder match where like one one of their one new japan belt and one tna belt was up there yeah it was, it was so convoluted it, yeah that's I, I
0: was like it was one of those things like i read it i was looking over it multiple times i went and watched the match and like
2: i yeah. not understand well and and like i if i remember rightly like Booker and Steiner were their TNA <laughs> tag champions. So it's like no one who, like we went in as the IWGP yeah. champions, like, and like, so like Devon got the new Japan belt and then we get the TNA. It was like, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I think when They're the awesome. fans are confused, there's, you know, there's something wrong.
2: Yeah, I, the, yeah. The, For me, that was, you know, um, uh, you know, I, I was 22, right? Like, so I, you know, I was yeah. so I was. I mean, and I'm working with <laughs> Booker T and Scott Steiner and the Dudleys and yeah. Beer Money, who were Beer Money were arguably the hottest act in TNA in yeah. 2009. I mean, I they see. were they were the most over act in the company. I don't care what anyone says. So, you know, I, I was just happy that I was in a featured match and do You know, doing something cool, and then you know to to and then at, you know at the end of the match, like we've got our hand raised with the. TNA tag belts. Cool. You know, like the rest of it, I just, it's like, it's a blur. I don't, you know, I don't remember any of it.
1: I, uh, I stole this, this question from, uh, Chris Van fleet. He's a good friend of the shows because I love a good friend of the show because I loved Eric Bischoff's uh, response. Nick, you've done some incredible things, which is true. Your entire career but give me a moment where there, it was a low moment and then you adjust it. You learn from that and you went on.
2: Well, uh, I guess a low moment for me was probably, well, I guess, you know, there, there are some real ones and there are some funny ones. So like, obviously there you know every now and then there's an independent show you know that is that you just that you're just standing there going like what am i doing with my life right like even if it's a good payday you know i've done some independent shows where i've had where i thought to myself man i'm getting paid you know three or four times as much as i did to wrestle you know Kurt Angle you know on a TNA show or something right but like here and i but I'm standing again like what what is happening like what you know is this really my life um like I had this one show and it was not and I won't say who it was because I don't want to embarrass him but I wrestled a guy and he's actually he's actually a, a, you know he was he's a very good worker um and at the time he was uh he was you know one of the considered one of the you know better independent guys and uh but it was just a small little independent show, you know. And we get we're, we're, we're getting ready to wrestle. We're on last it's the NBA title match, and then like we, I think we might have had one lockup, and then like you know, little break corner, break in the corner or something, and then he just sort of stops and like stands there and just pukes all over the ring. <laughs> oh no! Like he he had like a bug. He had like the flu or something.
1: Yeah.
2: And he just he's got a puke projectile vomited. Like hands and knees, Jeez. just spewing right, like it, yeah. like a sewer drain. And it, it, and it was like the match was unsalvageable. Yeah, like he just puked yeah. all over the mat, like all over the canvas yeah. and everything. And like it, just you could just feel everyone just go like,
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. oh,
2: like what, what the hell? And I had to, and I just like, I just sort of looked, took one look at him. He was like, I respected him because he obviously you know tried to gut through it because he wanted to you know maintain his commitment when whereas he should have just said i can't make the show i have a stomach flu i'm so sorry yeah but he didn't want to pass up the opportunity so i i took you know so i respected him for that and i took that as a huge compliment and i but i remember just having to go and get the house mic and basically try to sort of turn this into a positive and be like yeah this guy is obviously sick, you know, yeah, it's a he, shoot. But, right. But I said, but it I had to sort of go like, basically had to turn it into a sort of, cause you know, I, we essentially just deprived the fans of the main event.
1: Yeah. Right?
2: And I basically had to sort of go, you know, that just shows the amount of commitment he has to you fans and to the, you know, to the business and to this promotion <laughs> yes. and everything, that he was willing to come anyway. And so I think if we, you know, we all need to sort of show our appreciation for this kid and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, luckily everyone was happy with that and everything like that. But I just remember thinking like,
1: yeah,
2: <laughs> that's a think on your feet moment. Um, yeah. You know, and it's like, there are times, you know, when things like that happen, you sort of go, well, I didn't get a whole lot of satisfaction out of that. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as, as far as like a real low point. Um, and, and how you adjusted. Yeah. How I adjusted. Well, I, I, should have handled things differently with Bruce Pritchard, you know? Yeah. Um, And
1: if you said that before,
2: I should have handled things differently. Um, and I guess what I learned from it was, you know, that you can't please everyone. Uh, but you know, there's, there's, there, there are hills to die on. Um, you know, I like, I say, I wish I'd handled it different, but I also am not sure how, Were
1: well, you, you know, were so just, young.
2: Well, well, yeah. But I, you know, I, but I'm also talking about sort of the more recently, but I just, I felt like I was sort oh, of put in this, okay. I felt like I was put in a really difficult position, Um, you know, and it's, uh, and, and who, who knows, man, I, you know, I, I didn't, I certainly didn't, want it to you know to to be like that i would have rather not had that situation at all yeah um but you know i guess um what i learned from it is that you know conflict uh is while it may while it may feel good to sort of you know to you know the attention getting attention for conflict is never really a good thing in the in the long run
0: Mm-hmm.
2: right because in the long run what you need is goodwill and you know and uh like i appreciate people who you know who have, who stood up for me and or you know and and the people who uh like i you know like i had this conversation with brett you know because brett's such a mentor to me and such a, and such a hero of mine you know but brett talked about the whole thing with montreal i know he's talked about it a lot but he's you know he said like i just wish that i hadn't carried it around so long and you know i wish i'd just sort of you know figured out a better way to but he sort of said the same thing like at the time i didn't know what a better way was
1: no right um
2: you know the thing with the business is like if you achieve if you're if you're sort of someone who's ambitious and wants to achieve a lot you know the chances are you're going to you're going to sort of you, you you You're going to become adversarial with some people. Yeah. Just because sometimes your actions can be perceived in a different way, you know? And ultimately, it all comes down to, for me, I feel like it all just comes down to I was just ambitious and I just wanted to like prove myself and I just wanted to level up. And, you know, I was always just wanting to do more, do more and do more. Right. Um, And sometimes that can, I guess what I what I would what I should have done differently is just articulated that instead of you know you're trying to you're out to get me you know or you're you you know that kind of thing um so you know most problems in the industry uh and I can say this without question uh is you know it comes down to either a lack of communication or ineffective communication um you know, and, and so I guess what I took from it was to, is to you know, try to be a better communicator. Yeah. yeah.
1: I try every day with my wife, you know. All
2: right. right. There so you easy, go. Easy yeah. Battle.
1: All right, Nick, let's get to the fun part of the interview. I'm going to ask you some stupid random questions. I just want to hear your oh, answer. Oh, God, I hate these. Oh, come <laughs> on. All right. If you were stranded on an island, give me your three top albums you would take with you
2: albums come on man um (laughs) next i can oh metallica ride the lightning um
1: yeah that's it you could just say that
2: you can leave that one that's fine yeah it's hard to narrow it down to three probably be probably something by eric clapton yes uh and then and then just for and then probably um
1: what do you listen to at the gym
2: I have a pretty eclectic gym yeah. playlist, but uh <laughs> typically, depending on what I'm doing and what i'm you know it's either it's it's either gonna be hip hop or like you know heavy metal
1: I love it, but yeah. it's so sort
2: of, you know, but it all depends and sometimes it's sometimes it's neither sometimes I might listen to like motivational stuff or. You know, there's so many great motivational videos and stuff on YouTube, but like bodybuilding kind of videos and stuff like that, that I'll listen to because they're, you know, so it, it really depends on what, what I'm in the mood for.
1: I got it. Yeah. I love it. I got Bruce, Clapton and Dylan. Um, Nick, do you Google yourself? Have you Googled yourself?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, what in the back in the day, you know, early days, right? Like, you know, in, in the beginning, right? Sure. It is interesting. Some, like, sometimes I might have to Google um like if i'm if i if i'm looking for a certain match you know or like some something that's like involving me and somebody else yeah so if for like let's say for example you know in in a year from now you know i was like oh i did that universal wrestling podcast (laughs) like and i google like nick all this universal wrestling podcast you know what i mean like yeah What's always, are guys? what's always interesting to me is that once you, you know, when you, it's like you, I type in my name and then obviously all the suggestions pop up and it's always fascinating to me to see what all the suggestions are.
1: Yeah.
2: Cause it's like most of them are what you can expect. Nick this Mickey James, Nick this you know, yeah. Cody Rhodes, Nick Otis, like, you know, N-W-A. whatever. Right. And yep. yeah, yeah. yeah. But then there'll be there'll always be some random one and you'll go, like, what? huh? You know, like, <laughs> why is that a com, you know? And That's it, funny. So, it is if, interesting, but yeah, but no, as far as like I I have, but only but when I was very young, not for a long time.
1: If you could sit down with someone dead or alive, who would it be?
2: Oh it's hard to pick one Winston Churchill, Muhammad Ali, yeah, um, you know, Nelson Mandela. the
1: round table elvis yes yeah did you see that movie that was a kick-ass movie i haven't seen the movie Oh man, put it
2: on your list i need to see it yeah it it was funny because ddp brought that up when he when he talked about me he said so he started went off on a tangent about that film and was like you know that kid in that film like you know he just he just owns it and like that's how i feel about nick and i was like oh damn like that's a huge compliment yeah i need to see that film
1: Nick, how many finisher kickouts are too many?
2: That is a, that is, that's not a fair question.
1: <laughs>
2: What's the, you know what I mean? If, if there's no angle
1: yeah,
2: and there's no, and there's no stakes and it's not on last. No, you, you know, one, maybe no, no more than one.
1: Yeah.
2: But if it's, you know, you see, everything's about context, yeah. right? Yeah. Undertaker and Shawn Michaels from WrestleMania 25.
1: Yeah, it can't just be one.
2: Yeah. Un- I mean, you, it's a, it's a, it's, it's damn near a perfect match. There's nothing you, you know, it's, it's. I don't know if anything. I don't know if, uh, to be honest, it's hard to think of anything that tops it. Yeah. They had a lot of kickouts, but it was, but it was the right time.
1: It meant yeah. something.
2: It was the yeah. right place and right time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a throwaway match, but you know, with no build and no angle and no sort of history and no, you know, stakes and no sort of no no consequence. No. Yeah. So it's it all depends on the it all depends on the context. But yes. So.
1: The last question, the burning mm. question. Everybody wants to know. Nick, I apologize for asking. Keith made me ask this. What is your favorite smashing pumpkin song?
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, uh disarm. yeah yeah yeah. and i was very and it was very cool that we got to use it for the build to me and cody yeah Yeah. we got to use it like i remember like when when uh we kind of gently kind of because you know billy had always said like oh i'm willing to use music you know use my music you know sparingly here and there i don't want it to you know what and i and i you know when we sort of all we went this might be the time you know you know it's kind of like well you might say no you might not and he said yes and then obviously we got to you know and and we had that video with it was just the the the, it was perfect it was it fit perfectly because of the lyrics you know like i used to be a little boy and all that they had cody and his dad and all that kind of thing it was like all right yeah money
1: i love it nick it's been an honor and a privilege thank you so much for coming on um thank you thank you Give the people what they want. How can they find you?
2: You can find me on Twitter at real Nick and you can find me on Instagram at Nick and verified on both. So, um, you just look for the little blue check. I didn't pay for it. You know, <laughs> I, just, I, I got it. They got it the old school way, the legit way. And, uh, and if you're in the market for, um, any, uh, nutritional supplements, um, our company legacy sports nutrition is, uh, all our stuff is available now at legacy subs.com where, um, we have, uh, we have all sorts of reviews for legitimately verified reviews from real customers. We've served thousands of customers uh, across the, the U.S. and worldwide, and uh, our sleep aid, in particular, is our bestseller. It's some people have, you know, it's it's really made a profound difference in their lives because I can't emphasize how important sleep is to your overall health and performance, and uh, and for guys, you know, for testosterone release, the majority of your testosterone happens while you're asleep. Uh, and our, our sleep aid recovery PM has been just wildly popular and, and, uh, has a huge repeat business. So you can go there now and, uh, you can get 20% off your first order. If you sign up for emails, we don't spam you to death. Um, you know, I use all the stuff myself. So, uh, if that's, if that means anything to you, then at least, you know, that, uh, you know, I trust it and I believe in it. All the stuff is made. In an FDA-inspected facility, it's GMP-certified. It's, uh, it's 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 um, all made in the U.S. and uh, yeah, ships direct. So yeah, legacy, sups.com, legacy supps.com.
1: I love it. You can find us Thank on you. Twitter at the UW Pod and Instagram at UW Podcast. Peace. Yeah, baby. <laughs> and here
0: it comes. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Universal Wrestling Podcast. Hey.
1: Check us out on the web
0: at uwpod.com. you got mail. Or send us an email. We really don't know what we're dealing with here, man. Info at uwpod.com. Universal Wrestling Podcast. Nobody does it better.